This is Sarah Bordeaux, and you are listening to PodSAM, the podcast channel of SAM Magazine, the voice of the mountain resort industry. As states reduce social distancing guidelines, mountain bike operations are opening around the country. On this episode, we chat with operators to compare protocols regarding things such as capacity, staff safety, check-in, ticketing, rental, retail, lessons, events, and more. We'll start the discussion here with Sam publisher, Olivia Rowan. Uh, so thank you for joining us today for our Monday huddle. I'm Olivia Rowan Sam Mag- of Sam Magazine, and joining me as a co-host is Hugh Reynolds of Mountain Creek. And today we're going to talk about bike park operations in the time of COVID-19. All right, so Hugh, we're going to um, start our hour. Um, so why don't you kick us off here? Yeah, great. Thank you, Olivia. Um, so as many resorts are looking to start up their summer operations and their bike parks, um, the current realities of COVID-19 prevention and, and social, social distancing um, are forcing us to reimagine how we do business. And today's call is an extension of a similar call we had a couple of weeks back um, with a number of, of East Coast uh, bike park operators. Uh, we had Olivia and Sam sit in and listen on that. Um, and they thought it would be a good idea for us to, to share that with, with a larger audience, which is what brings us here today. So, um, you know, we're looking to kind of walk through some of the various challenges that are facing resorts uh, in today's environment. Um, you know, what, what are we doing to meet those challenges um, and, and see where we can align as, a, as an industry um, where, wherever possible to, um, uh, to create uh, higher, higher levels of, of guest expectation in terms of the experiences that they're gonna uh, receive at one park to another. So I uh, look forward to sharing all of that and expanding on our, our original conversation with you guys today. Um, our panel today is Kevin Jordan with Aspen Snowmass Colorado, Ken Gator with Snowshoe West Virginia, Mark Hayes of the Highland Bike Park in New Hampshire, Chuck Takas with Blue Mountain Bike Park, Pennsylvania, Jeff Staley with Detroit Mountain, Minnesota, Kurt Epler with Angel Fire Resort, and Pete Sutcliffe with Gravity Logic. So uh, we're going to get started uh, today with Jeff Staley at Detroit Mountain. Uh, Detroit Mountain is owned by the local community, um, and I, I sort of Hugh and I were um, comparing notes. And you have an extensive cross-country network, um, as I understand. And so, just give us a little more about your operation, so we can all um, understand and relate to what you do there. And, and let us know how long you've been open. So let's start with that, and then we have a couple follow-up questions. Sure. Uh, we opened in 2015 with um, uh, single track as well as lift served gravity trails. And um, uh, yeah, we, we've got about 10 to 12 miles of single track trails. And um, we have been open now since about April 29th, I think, um, uh, in Minnesota. The governor allowed recreational activities at ski areas specifically, um, uh, biking, hiking, picnicking, um, just general uh, recreation for um, pleasure and exercise. And then we have been open for lift served uh, biking for two weekends now. Great. Um, And tell us, you know, uh, what measures you've taken um, that are different from your normal ones to get open and what's been working what hasn't you have had enough time to kind of sort through some of the the growing pains of dealing with these new protocols and 
what's been expected and what's been surprising and and you've been open quite a while so we'd be curious to know sure yeah i mean we we've, we've taken um you know of course all of the um, state required um, recommendations and precautions all of the the typical social distancing staying six feet apart um, uh, gatherings of 10 or less um, and uh, yeah we, we've really just um, you know looked at trying to protect both our staff and the guests um, we've got more signage up um, on trail and around the building than we ever have before um, uh, items about um, uh, you know good hygiene hand washing um, I shared some of those um, uh, signs with you earlier and if you want to share some of those um, yeah. now I could talk through them throughout this conversation operators shared signage that they are using to educate guests about new protocols Follow along with these images available for download at www.saminfo.com slash huddle. Um, just trying to really take a, a approach of shared responsibility, um, you know, with the guest and the staff. Um, so we've taken measures to, to clean restrooms and all the surfaces, as well as providing product for them uh, to, to do additional cleanings if, if they're not satisfied or they, they feel so inclined. Um, we've asked guests, we, we don't require, but we've asked guests to wear uh, facial coverings if they're coming in close contact with our staff. Our staff is required to wear face masks um, when they're in close proximity and can't meet those social distancing requirements. We've asked um, customers to make the first stop um, either at a hand sanitizing or uh, the restrooms to wash their hands. Um, prior to doing any business within the building. Uh, closed drinking fountains, of course, um, so you can fill water bottles, but there, there's no um, uh, direct drinking from fountains. We've installed plexiglass um, over all of our ticket windows. Where, where are all the, these are all in the visitor center here, these signs? Yeah, these are all around the building as well as um, some of those on trail as well. Um, so that's kind of the, you know, the, um, the front and center portion. We restrict uh, movement within the building. Uh, so guests are not allowed in all areas as they once were. Um, the uh, concessions and retail are not open at this point. Um, uh, so we will um, provide quick grab and go items uh, from behind the ticket window. And then essentially the retail store can be accessed um, by request only. And we limit that to same party or single, single use. Okay. Um, and then within um, the lift service portion, again, um, same households can travel on the, the chair together. If you're um, coming with different groups, you're going to be spaced out on different chairs. Uh, we provide extra, um, uh, hand sanitation stations at both the top and bottom. Um, staff are required to wear uh, face masks as well as maintain um, social distancing. So, you know, quick, easy thing to do is operate, um, you know, the customer on one side of the bike, uh, the staff on the other um, at an arm's length with handlebars that keeps people spread out. 
and then we've got markings um, uh, for the queue so that um, people stay spaced out. What about rentals? Are you doing rentals and, and lessons? Those would be two. Yeah, we are doing rentals and uh, we've got some remote stations where people can fill out paperwork um, and then we have the ability um, and requesting people to fill out waivers and rental forms online to, to um, try and limit the, um, uh, you know, or encourage paperless transactions. And then we will deliver bikes outside now. Um, so no staff are allowed in the rental department. They can't walk around the bikes and touch handlebars and seats and et cetera. Um, so yeah, we, we've, you know, some simple steps, um, you know, that's been the easiest, easiest part, all those things. The toughest thing um, really is, is just getting, you know, customers, um, you know, to stay separated and, and continue to spread out. You know, they get into this environment um, that they're very comfortable with um, and um, they start to forget about um, some of those distancing requirements. So um, just constantly, um, you know, um, uh, just uh, reinforming and, um, uh, you know, having our staff take a little bit more active role. Are they, are you generally finding guests are okay with you continually reminding them to stay apart? Are you getting any resistance from folks? Especially yeah, no, demographic? no resistance whatsoever. It, it just is really, you know, they're out here, you know, having a good time and, and excited to be out and, you know, um, partaking in somewhat normal activities again. And, and they just kind of, uh, lose track of it and yeah no resistance whatsoever and then a question about um, what were what were your numbers like the first couple of weeks for those operators who are just getting to this opening what what can you tell them about the you know the pent-up demand the you know how, how was it the first two weeks and where are the numbers panning out now yeah it, you know numbers are strong um, we've had a lot of interest uh, We've surpassed our season pass sales from last season already. Um, I anticipate um, that coming in, you know, 50 to 75% ahead of last year. Um, sales overall are up um, 27%. And, and that takes into account my, my food and beverage and my retail are down about 76% compared to last year, but um, just the overall rental traffic, um, trail traffic, lift tickets, those are all up significantly. Great. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, so next, let's turn to Mark Hayes. Uh, Mark is the owner of Highland Bike Park in New Hampshire, uh, which is one of only a few uh, dedicated uh, mountain bike parks in the country. Uh, Mark, you've been operating since last Wednesday. Um, can you maybe give us a high level overview of what that's been like and, um, you know, what are, what are some of the changes you guys have had to make for, for this season and what are you seeing so far? Sure. Yeah. Hi everybody. Um, so I think a lot of the thing, I'm not going to reiterate what Jeff just said, cause a lot of the things that he's doing is exactly what we're doing as far as cleanliness and signage and the way we're handling our lift. Um, uh, we do, we do power wash our lift at the end of the day, uh, whether that makes a big difference or not, it's part of um, it's part of what we put together as a New Hampshire bike park group. We decided that we would add that in there. 
Okay, so this is this slide here is is our access road, and we have to ask six questions uh, prior to us issuing you issuing the rider a wristband. We give everybody wristbands instead of tickets. We used to put wristbands on people's wrists, but we don't do that now. We allow the uh, guests to put the wristband on. So as you're coming up the driveway. The first sign you see is, are you experiencing any respiratory systems, blah, 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 symptoms. And then you read those signs all the way along the way. And then when you're faced with our uh, ticket agent, they ask you those questions or they say, have you answered yes to any of these questions? And if they answer yes, then we say, well, we'd like you, you know, please don't, you know, please, please come back another day. Um, to my knowledge, no one's actually answered yes to those questions yet. The, uh, you know, some of the other changes, everything, so we limited our day passes to 50 online as of from Wednesday to Sunday, just to get a feel for how people are moving around the park, how our employees are managing the traffic flow. We realized that we can have a lot more people at our park. It's a ghost town. Uh, the first day we had uh, 250 season pass holders show up. That was on Wednesday. That was a season pass holder day. Uh, last year, the most we had for season pass holders was 137. So we had to, as a team, before we even opened, we had to gamble a little bit. We didn't, we didn't, um, we were afraid that if we opened it up to too many day passes, then we'd have an overcrowding situation because we didn't know we didn't originally we were thinking of having every season pass holder sign up online pay a fee and then we'd give them their money back when they showed up but we decided that wasn't the right thing to do so instead we rolled the dice a little bit we only put 50 tickets up for uh sale and um Currently, we have over 600 season pass holders. So if 600 people showed up on Wednesday, we would have been in trouble. We have never seen that in the history of, of the mountain. It's typically about a third season pass holders to um, day pass holders. So I guess we, you know, we, we played the cards right. And uh, 250 for us is not a crowding situation. We've seen days where we've had almost 1,000 people here or over during specific events or races. Typically on a real busy day, if it's just selling passes, no events, we'll see five to 600 people at the park. So we know what our half capacity looks like and 300 at our park uh, in, you know, the way in this new COVID world is acceptable. So our numbers on uh, Wednesday, 250 season pass holders, then we opened to 50 pass holders on Thursday we saw about 140. Friday, we saw 160 total. Uh, Saturday, 160 total. Then yesterday, about 200. So of that 200, there was 150 season pass holders and there was 50 day pass holders. So as of last night, we decided to sort of open the spigot a little bit. And um, during the week, just open it up to everybody. Let as many people want to, that want to buy passes can buy passes. And then on the weekends, we're going to limit it to 100 day passes. Does, does that Purell jar, I've heard people say they, they, it gets stolen a lot. Is that uh, yeah, well, so that's not actually Purell in there. Or <laughs> that's, uh, that's 
uh, we found a local distillery. It's a whiskey distillery. So uh -huh. that's, that's what's in there. And we have five gallon buckets of it. So we just refill. You can't find containers. That's the other crazy thing. We, you can't even order the, at least we found that yeah. you can't order the containers. Yeah. There's some of my guys at the top at the summit with the uh, mask on offloading bike, trying to keep a separation from each other. So they, they offload the bikes that are at a, um, you know, one guy pulls off first and the other guy pulls it off after him. There's signage everywhere, just, just like Jeff was saying, to remind people of the social distance. You guys are currently offering rentals, right? We are. Yeah. What, what are you guys, what are you guys doing to um, in, ensure that those are being disinfected and you know, what, what precautions are you taking for safety around rentals? Yeah, we're washing our bikes too. After they come back, we wash them. Everything's online. We haven't seen any volumes of uh, uh, significant volumes of rentals just because we haven't really opened it up yet. Um, once we start to offer our lessons and once we open the spigot to more day pass holders, those are typically the people that are renting the bikes. And we're hoping to start to see that real soon you know, like this week and into next weekend. A couple of questions from the audience about uh, bike patrol and protocols for treating guests and anything, anything that's changed there. Yeah, absolutely. We, um, so our, our patrol office, we call the first aid base or FAB. There it is right there. You have to put a mask on to get in there to be treated. If you're, if it's a bad injury where we bring them in on, on stretcher, there's a mask on the uh, patient's face. Our, our um, EMTs also have the PPP, the proper PPP devices, medical grade. We keep all guests outside of the first aid base. They have to, we have a little waiting station, a little 10 by 10 tent that they can wait in. We used to allow guests in for just even minor injuries, but we're really limited the amount of, limiting the amount of people that can go in the first aid base. And did, you were worried um, in that earlier call we had in the, earlier last month, um, and I don't know if New Hampshire went through with this, where you had to, that could only be in-state, and you were worried about how you're going to check, like license plates or driver's license. Did, that, did they enforce that? Was it only in-state people that could show up? Uh, no, so that was the golf rule. They put out a, uh, the state of New Hampshire has their stay-at-home guidelines 2.0, and, and that one was particular to golf. Okay. We had not at that point seen the attractions one-sheeter. Mm -hmm. that, that just didn't exist yet. So when that came out, they did not include, uh, or they not, did not limit it to New Hampshire residents. They encourage you try to keep keep it to New Hampshire, but they did not. Uh, they allowed, they, there was nothing in the guideline that said you had we had to stick to New Hampshire. So we've opened it to everybody. And did you get any calls um, from the local county? Anybody kind of overseeing? Did anybody check up or communicate or you know did you have to report back or anything like that? Uh, I didn't know. I have. Uh, I'm on another call with these the, uh, state of New Hampshire folks in the bike parks of New Hampshire. We have a direct connection through the rep of uh, the, the New Hampshire da task force. So we've been in close contact with them. And as far as like media showing up, I thought we might see somebody, but maybe yeah. they're so busy with all the other opening, all the other businesses, they've been leaving us alone. So, so far there hasn't been, I haven't seen anything. Um, I, 
I, I, it would be nice if they did show up because we've spent an awful lot of time putting signage up and trying to do our due diligence. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I have not seen anything, Olivia. Okay. Any surprises, um, good or bad, in, in custom behavior um, for the, your first opening weekend? No, uh, it's, it's been pretty smooth. We, we don't require customers to wear a mask when they're outside the building. If they get within six feet of another group, they have to wear a mask. So it's been, it's been pretty, pretty mellow. We were, we were, ha we were happy with the result at the end of Sunday. We were thinking that maybe people would have an, an issue with the masks inside. Um, so there's two areas, two sort of pinch points. It's in our welcome center when you pick up your ticket in the morning. So they have to put a mask on there. And then to use our bathrooms, we've, we have porta potties that we put extra porta potties out on the um, parking lots. So people are using those, but if they have to come in and use the indoor bathroom, then they have to put their mask on. There's, there's been some issues with people not understanding how to go in the right way, you know, go in the enter and exit the exit. So we, we have to remind people of that. But other than that, people have been pretty cool in line, respectful. I mean, uh, knock on wood, I hope that continues. And one last question here, it's come up a couple of times, the he rental helmets. And I think you said everybody's coming with their own gear, but w what are you, are you gonna do any extra sanitation of rental? No, no, not everybody's coming with their own gear. We will rent and, and, and we'll see our rental business pick up for sure. We wash all of our pads. We have a, a wash room. We actually physically, physically put it in a washer and then we dry them and then put the helmets back together. And so the inside, like the jaw plate gets a wipe down with the sanitation, but all the padding is washed. Thank you, Mark. Uh, let's turn to Kevin Jordan of uh, Aspen Snowmass. Um, Kevin, I, I don't think you guys have opened for the season yet, but um, you know, what, what are you guys thinking? What are you talking about? And I know you in particular run the bike school. So, uh, you know, what is, what are some of the conversations you guys are having around lessons and, and how you plan to handle those this summer? Sure. So, um, yeah, like you said, I, I manage the bikes. We have not opened yet. Uh, we have a seasonal elk closure. All the elk have had some, some young and we like to leave them alone until June 21st. Uh, so we're actually opening June 21st. So it gives us a little bit of time, but it will be here before we know it. Um, so in terms of lessons, you know, social distancing, uh, you know, I, I think of it more so as physical distancing, right? Because you have to be six feet away from people. Um, so we've, we've talked a lot about like, how do we do that? I've talked with our trail crew manager um, about maybe, you know, trimming some more pullouts, you know, on some of our trails that we use more frequently, especially our beginner trail. We use that a lot in the bike school. Um, you know, so it's just one of those things that we, we do use a gondola. Uh, so that's an enclosed space. Uh, so some of the things that I've seen, uh, but, you know, two people for that gondola cabin wearing masks, you know, inside of it. And then our, how our gondolas are loaded, there's actually racks in there and there's two bikes for that gondola. So if you think about it, the capacity actually matches, uh, you know, two bikes in one gondola, two people in another. But in terms of, you know, lessons, we, we are going to offer lessons. Uh, we're going to offer some private lessons. We do have some group products. The discussion has been around like, okay, so what are the sizes of that? And what, what happens when you have like two separate groups, uh, you know, in terms of a group lesson and how are you going to manage that? 
I feel like with the gondola cabins, we can actually space them out because it's certain, you know, it's this, this family unit in this one and these people that know each other in this one. Um, and the coach potentially in, a, in another one, just to keep people separate uh, as, as, you know, as restrictions are still in place because we're still similar to, you know, you know, groups larger than 10 and just standing, you know, away from each other. I think in some ways we, we may have some pent up demand from the locals uh, there. We were one of the few resorts that still allowed uphilling, which was very awesome. And uh, many people took advantage of it. So there's a lot of people who are actually quite fit going into this season uh, that might, might see a little more business and, and maybe branch out a little bit more. We've been trying to in the cross country aspect and offer more of those lessons. Uh, so we, you know, we have a saying in the bike school, we really try to make any dreams come true on two wheels, whether that's introducing someone to a pedal bike for the first time. We've done plenty of those typically through a private lesson, uh, whether it's introducing them to the bike park world, the downhill specific, or even cross country. So that's kind of some of the stuff we've been talking about. Uh, one of the other conversations we've had is a lot of times we would provide water uh, along the trail at some, some of our rest areas, you know, kind of stopping points, and that we're not doing this year. We're going to encourage guests to bring their own water, and uh, you can see in some of Mark's slides, you know, how he talks about a lot of times the water fountain is just closed. You know, we don't want to spread that. So there's a lot of that stuff going on. I think the other conversation that would be useful to this group is, you know, certification. Um, so it's one of those things where, uh, you know, are, are we going to have a certification event? Uh, we partnered with professional mountain bike instructors association, uh, in the in last year, it's a newer partnership for us. And, uh, you know, as, as of right now, it's like, like everything else, it's kind of on hold waiting to see, uh, one of the reasons why I'm thankful to Olivia and the rest of this group is, um, we're going to learn a lot. I've already learned a lot from Mark and Jeff, just from some of the slides that they've shown, uh, with the signage, but. You know, we're, we're looking forward to opening, looking forward to those lessons and really any questions you have more, more so to the bike school stuff, let us know and we'll be happy to answer them. So, so along those lines of certification, what are you thinking in terms of staff training? Yeah, I don't know how many instructors you have on the bike school, but if you're limited to gatherings of 10 and under, how, how do you, how do you effectively train your staff to get ready for the season? Yep. That's a good question. Uh, so we have talked about, you know, we have a bunch of trainers uh, both winter and summer and so we've talked about breaking them into smaller groups you know and just having them and, and if we get together and have like a big thing we have an area just outside our, our base of operations and treehouse area that's a pretty big event lawn and we would just really space out um you know, i feel like adults kind of understand the six feet or like i saw in some of the chat you know two bike lengths is kind of where, where that goes that's more a little more than six feet but that's helpful uh, but for kids, they don't understand that concept. So we we live in a cul-de-sac, and we have a five-year-old and a three-year-old. They may come say hi at some point. Um, but basically, we ride, we ride around the cul-de-sac, and we've talked about like an elephant. An elephant is a large animal, and trying to get an elephant of space between you and the next kid, that seems to be working pretty well. Um, but we typically do our, our staff training uh, a day or two before we actually open, uh, kind of re-familiarize ourselves with the trails so that when we're – inevitably guiding on the trail. Uh, we know what it looks like. We know what it's, what's, how it's weathered over the winter time. Remember some of the corners, see what the you know, trail's like, those kind of things. So we're planning on doing that again, uh, but we've talked about, you know, smaller groups breaking it down and just uh, smaller sizes. We, we have about, uh, some people will probably ask us, we have about 31 coaches, but the majority of that is very part-time. And when I say very part-time, it might be like a day, a week, 
or maybe two days uh, and the rest of them are kind of the four to five that's sorry about more like 14 to 15 our main kind of you know four to five days a week and we offer lessons seven days a week um, and one of the things that's kind of unique for us we definitely have a lot of uh, private clientele uh, so like so we have a lot of we offer a lot of privates we've done quite a bit of them and one of the things that, that we've talked about too in the bike school is like we, we like offering that high touch uh, you know, like, oh, let me take a look at your bike and let me look it over and let me do a little bike check and how we can't do that. Uh, so instead, we got to teach the guests, you know, how much they should know anyway. Uh, one last question from Noah on chat. Uh, he's asking if you guys are planning on having any kid specific lesson products or camps this summer. Yes, good question. And uh, the answer is yes. Uh, we offer a, a, a full day, 9 to 3 p.m. product. Uh, and we do it Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So it's every other day. And we've talked a little bit about group sizes, maybe making that ratio a little bit smaller. We've also talked about lunch. Lunch is a big deal uh, because we would like them to bring their own lunch. But then where do you store it? How do you store it safely? Uh, where do you have lunch? Those kind of logistics. We have some opportunities on the, on the hill. Like we have a restaurant up there. But anytime you go inside, it's going to be closing off that space. So how do you stay outside? Um, how do you even rest and have some shade? Those are some of the things we are doing. We are, we are going to have a kids program. We think locals will probably take more advantage of it. And once we get some of those groups sorted out, obviously we have to see them ride. Uh, we'll try to keep those groups like the, the same locals in the same ability level together kind of for the season. Uh, but we have to see who shows up, who signed up. And we're also doing reservations ahead of time. So we've limited the spaces they have to sign up. We know some of the kids, but some of the kids we haven't ridden with yet. So once we can figure out, you know, who they are and just trying to keep them together and kind of keep them, think of it as like that family unit, we create it with the same ability level. Now they're going to progress, but try to keep it through the season um, as a family unit, so to speak. Yeah. Very cool. Well, thanks, Kevin. Sure. Um, Olivia, we'll throw it back to you. All right. Great. Um, so now we're going to turn it over to Chuck Takas at Blue Mountain PA. Um, Chuck, you are um, you you are in the middle of phasing your opening, and you correct me. We kind of did our research, but I know things change okay. daily. So, doing a phased opening. Um, tell us about what that is, and um, what is and isn't available to the guest. Um, and um, would love to know the percentage of normal volume um, that you think you can achieve when with restrictions now and as things ease more. So. Um, yeah. yeah, we uh, so we opened uh, two weeks ago now. Uh, our first weekend was season pass holders only. Uh, we had announced that, and we kind of jumped the gun on our state's uh, phase reopening, and had to push it back. Um, and but part of the uh, result of the announcing of season pass holders only for at least the first weekend, um, we doubled our season pass sales this year. Uh, <laughs> So our season pass sales for, you know, for us went through the roof. We're now over 300 season passes for the year. Um, and that number keeps going up. Um, and we also, you know, when we, we sat down to figure out how we're going to get open, how we're going to meet these guidelines. Um, you know, we're doing a lot of the stuff that, uh, you know, Mark, Jeff, um, I've already said it doing with distancing and signage. Um, you know, I think I sent some of our signage as well, but, uh, you know, they already have some pretty good examples there. Um, but the other thing we targeted was how do we keep people out of our buildings and minimize staff contact? Um, what we ended up doing 
uh, was um, having all of our pass holders, um, if they were new, uh, send the emails of their picture to put on their pass. And we, we pre-printed every season pass um, for our pass holders and met them in the parking lot and gave them their pass in their car before they even got out. And you know what, you know, so last year with 150 season passes pre-sold, we had a line out of our door um, inside of our lodge. Uh, this year, I, we, you know, I could probably count you know, four or five people or opening day that had to go, or opening weekend that had to go to the counter um, to talk to one of our representatives. And we kept pretty much everyone else out of our building um, except for restroom use. Um, they worked so well that uh, I'm, you know, even if we're not on the same restrictions next year, we're going to look at doing the same thing um, in the future. Um, you know, you know, the rest of what we're trying to do is leverage our um, online capabilities, you know, limit our day tickets to online only for right now, our rentals to online only, and limit the amount of time that they have to come in our buildings. Uh, you know, we're lucky enough to have some of that already set up for winter. Um, we use uh, access, uh, access gates and uh, their ticket pickup kiosks, um, and we've activated those. Um, yeah. Then for our second weekend, we um, we released a small number of um, day tickets, and oh, we had those capped at thirty. Um, and it, uh, much like I think Mark found out, is uh, you know we're well under our capacity, uh, so it went very smoothly with thirty. But we could have put a lot more people in the park um, and still stuck to our distancing guidelines. Um, so we are we are also dropping the dropping the capacity on day tickets uh, going into uh, you know we're open Friday Saturday Sunday right now and going into next week or this coming week uh, we are uh, doing online pass sales only but we're not limiting our quantity uh, and then we're also going to phase in uh, rentals this coming week and there we are limiting quantity a little bit uh, just because we have. We have some additional cleaning guidelines and distribution guidelines. Um, so we're going to release uh, about half of our fleet uh, to be available for reservation. Uh, and they're going to be uh, pre-sanitized and put in a rack with a guest name on it. The guests come and grab their own bike. Uh, the other uh, thing we're going we to, we talked to my crew and how we're going to do helmet rentals. Uh, we are going to try... Um, pre-sizing to get have the guests pre-size themselves we're getting uh, disposable um, paper tape measures they're available through medical supply companies and we're asking the guests to measure their head circumference and then we'll match that up to um, what we hope is the correct size uh, to avoid having the guests try multiple helmets on uh, you know our current our, our policy for the rental helmets right now uh, once something's tried on whether they use it or not it needs to go into the uh, the uh, cleaning rack so that it can be sanitized for the next guest. Um, so we're trying to avoid having to um, sanitize helmets that aren't being used. Uh, we haven't tried that in practice yet, but that's our plan uh, for the coming weekend. I'm going to share your your slides here. Um, all right, so Chuck, take us through what, what we're looking okay, at. So, yeah, this is the sign that we have. Um, out at our chairlift and um, in our lodge. Um, this is blended in with uh, some of our existing uh, policies. Um, 
before the chairlift. Um, this was the sign we used for our first weekend. That's what I sent you. Um, I actually have um, updated this one. Um, we do ask that everybody you know, wear gloves while in the lift, uh, sit on the outside seats away from each other. Um, so the one thing we did change, we found um, we were doing a max of two bikes. We have we have four bike uh, lift trays from Decent Built um, on our chairlift. And for the first weekend, we were only loading uh, two bikes uh, to allow our operators to try to distance themselves from each other up top. Um, but it also had the effect of increasing our lift line and we were having trouble with uh, the guests in our line um, being properly distanced uh, before and after our, um, our access gates. Uh, so for the following weekend, we went back to uh, full capacity on our trays. Um, and the only, so this is, this is our latest sign, um, or this is a sign from the opening weekend as well. Now, um, this one's been changed. Um, we are loading four bikes. If the guests are comfortable doing that, we're kind of leaving it up to them. If they um, either arrive together or in the same household or, you know, they're friends and they, you know, are comfortable loading together, we're not forcing anybody to. Um, ride with anyone they're not comfortable with. Um, we're still asking that two people sit in the chair. Um, and we're also skipping the, um, the chair. We have three, behind each carrier, we have three empty seats, uh, three empty chairs. And we are skipping the chair behind each carrier to allow our top operators to remove the bikes and um, kind of get out of the way, um, you know, put the bikes in a rack and get out of the way to limit their interaction with the guest at the top of the lift. From the start of this, we, you know, my bosses and you know, the mountain, we were trying to be proactive on, you know, getting people back, back to work, um, you know, between the payroll protection program and these back to work guidelines, uh, you know, keeping our employees safe, but also, um, you know, looking at the future of our company and everyone's job and, um, figure out how we can safely get back in here and begin firing up these activities. Um, and we've been, to, we've been trying to be fairly aggressive on that while staying within you know, state and CDC guidelines. Thanks so much, Chuck. That was super helpful taking us through that. Uh, Hugh? Yeah, thanks, Chuck. Uh, so next, let's uh, send it over to Ken Gator, 2020 SAMI Award winner. Congratulations, <laughs> Ken. <laughs> Uh, Ken's with uh, Snowshoe in West Virginia, so uh, Snowshoe has a long history of, of uh, mountain bike operations, uh, most recently hosted the World Cup last summer, um, and uh, as far as East Coast resorts go, probably the most destination of, of uh, East Coast resorts, so uh, what, what are you guys, uh, what are you guys thinking, Ken, when, when are you planning on opening, um, what are some of the challenges that you guys are facing, and, and um, since you did host the World Cup last year, what, what are you guys thinking about events this summer? Well, thanks, Hugh, for the personal plug and the snowshoe plugs. I mean, uh, <laughs> I'll get you a check, too. <laughs> um, yeah, so we're in the process right now. We're going to open on July 2nd. That's our plan. We're going to be open for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And really, you know, what we're doing right now is listening to a lot of people who are already open, and it's it's probably the most valuable piece. Um, there's a team that's set up through Altera, our parent corporation, 
where we're looking at um, biking and what a, you know building some kind of what I'll call general margins for Altera. So that's in process right now, along with you know our risk team. Preston's on the call. I see um, working hard every day to keep us um, aligned with our state protocols, which are changing. You know, just like everybody else, all the time. So really what we're doing is gathering gathering information i mean i have a whole page full of notes from this call alone and i don't usually take notes so <laughs> this is great stuff and um we'll be putting it together in a package we've started ordering signage um we've kind of come up with the same ideas that i'm hearing here about you know the load unload of the lift i think one of my real like what are we going to do moments was around patrol, you know, and how are they going to handle their job, especially when it gets to that really serious moment um, and, and what pieces are going to be in place and, you know, how, how, um, and that group is really good at adapting and following procedure. So it's given me a lot of confidence there, but I, I worry a lot about our, our team, our staff, you know, that's, that's where I come from. I think if I can feel like the staff is protected and we're doing our best to protect them and manage the risk, um, then our guests will be in the same place. I don't know if that makes sense, but I think, you know, I, I'm looking at it from, all right, Johnny's loading the lift. How are we going to take care of Johnny? If Johnny's taken care of, that's going to help our guests be taken care of. So looking at it like that. Um, and then I think, you know, supplies we spend a lot of time right now just gathering supplies and how much are we going to need i really am getting the sense that opening on july for a weekend in our area and with all the demand you know i've watched what happened around here on memorial day it was it was very busy and the mountain wasn't even open so i just feel this kind of anxiety about the crush that's going to come on that weekend and you know the unknowns Things like this are helping, but I'm feeling like we're going to see a lot of business. I don't know. Is anybody out there got an opposite feeling? Or I think uh, I think a lot of a lot of the resorts that have been operating already are, are seeing the pent up demand, um, and you know, just from what we've heard on this call today, in terms of where some of the resort sales are at, um, yeah, you're 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 likely going right into the fire opening on a holiday weekend for sure. What about events, Gator? You know, you, you do some big bike park events. Are, are those still on? They're canceled? What, you know, are you hearing from organizers? We have, we have people waiting for contracts, and we're not, we're not signing contracts at this point because in this, right now at this time in our state, um, an event is not within the margins of the guidelines of the state. Now, we, we do have some confidence that by the time we get to the event date that those margins are going to loosen, but who really knows? So, uh, again, Preston, you know, is kind of keeping those people like, yes, we want to hold the event, but we're not going to sign anything because signing it right now in an era where it's not actually legal to do it, it's not a good idea. So we, we just have this kind of wait and see thing, and that makes it tough. Uh, when you're talking about a large event, which, you know, we're not on the World Cup list this year, which probably, you know, thankfully it's not a, something we're going to lose, but 
you know, when you're talking about something that big, you got to be planning a year or two plus. So, you know, this is kind of regional stuff that we're looking at. And I think that, you know, my gut feeling, yeah, we're going to have some events. Will they look different? Yeah. All right. Thanks, uh, Gator. We're going to, um, I want to make sure we can get to um, Kurt here. Kurt, uh, Kurt Epler of Angel Fire Resort. Um, tell us about, tell us just a little bit about your, this, your bike park setup, uh, how big it is and, um, and how long have you guys been open uh, this spring? Well, the uh, bike park was started in the early 90s, I guess, and has just continually grown over the years. Um, we, uh, we are operating on a 1,500-acre footprint on the, just the front side of our mountain, uh, 2,100 feet of vertical. And uh, we were able to open uh, one day after our scheduled normal opening date of May 15th. So we opened uh, May 16th and went that weekend, Memorial weekend, and just got through last weekend as well. All three weekends being very successful. Um, but we also took a cautious approach to uh, uh, have it somewhat of a controlled opening. Uh, for, for two reasons, uh, you know, one, we wanted to uh, make sure that we could see what we had in place was going to work okay and how we could manage the people, uh, but also keeping in mind uh, how important the public perception would be. And, uh, you know, I think we identified early on that we did not want it to be viewed or conveyed as a mass gathering. and. Uh, you know, I'm stating the obvious, we all know that that, uh, that, that point lies at the bottom of the lift. Um, so what we did uh, is our first two weekends open, we were limited to uh, season pass holders, uh, but we also have a uh, property owners association here that, uh, that is made up of just over 8,000 members and the bike park and ski area and everything are amenities that come with that membership. Uh, so we opened initially just with to members and season pass holders uh, just to, to see what kind of numbers we could deal with and, uh, and found that, uh, you know, once you spread people out on a 1,500-acre footprint, it, uh, you can hide a lot of people up there. And... Um, I will say that some things, uh, small little details that <clears throat> we found out were great influences on making sure that we don't, don't convey that group gathering uh, were pleasant surprises. And uh, what, what the, the biggest one was uh, getting people on the lift a little bit be, uh, ahead of opening time and what it did to keep the maze area cleared and uh, you know, it, it, it was, it was, it was a real simple thing. And, uh, we, we basically have our operation ready to, if we feel that people are starting to gather down at the bottom, um, uh, we'll start loading the lift a half hour early if we need to. The, the public perception is, as I'm sure everybody feels the same that, uh, and I, you know, I, I know we've had some of, uh, uh, businesses in New Mexico that uh, once they were open, there was a certain element of society that didn't think they were doing it right. So they were um, 
you know, calling people and, and making things difficult. And, uh, and uh, we, we, we didn't want to create that. Now, we, we wanted to make sure that we didn't allow ourselves to appear to be a mass gathering, okay? Um, we have dealt with um, controlled openings on everything. Uh, Percentage-wise, we had to determine what the normal capacity of our mountain is, and we're given a percentage of, of that capacity that we could operate under. Uh, lodging had limitations, uh, and of course, there, everything else with food and beverages is the same as I think we'd see everywhere. Um, fortunately, I think we, we had a, a very good plan going in. Um, the, our playbook that we put together was the key and being patient and making sure that our interpretation of the state's orders uh, was clear and verified from the state offices and um, and uh, you know the, the only downside was it was some of our decisions on how we could trans you know transition into progressing our availability of our mountain to guests uh, we, we got, we'd get the decisions in the 11th hour. So some of the changes in what we were able to do were literally the day before. Mm. Uh, goal being to, uh, one, open up and, and allow as many people to come up and enjoy the venue as possible, but also uh, have a clear interpretation and confirmation that we're doing the right thing. Um, we uh and i have to say it it absolutely all started from the beginning two weeks before we opened having a great playbook put together um i think one of the keys to the success on that is each individual department uh was asked to uh, put their csp together the covid safety plan and um with the direction of uh, Maya Langridge, our, our risk manager, and uh, and it, it was a really it, it was really successfully done because I think each each department and operations uh, was put in a position where they fully had to educate themselves on not just the right thing to do, but what the actual interpretation of the guidelines is. And uh, they made great decisions. We also took the step of, of doing, you know, job hazard assessments for each place. So every uh, operational department uh, was able to truly think through every step of their process. And uh, they being professionals in their field were able to identify things that may have been overlooked if uh, these were trying to be put together by a uh, central group, if you will. Um, and um, the feedback that we have got from our state government with with our our playbook and our and our operating plans is uh, is that they're very very comfortable with what we had in place just simply because of how well it was all put together. Um, we do have uh, some challenges in regards to uh, lessons, um, and and we also have a zipline operation up here which we haven't opened yet, we're, but uh, we will in a couple of weeks due to some, uh, some things being uh, relaxed or, or restrictions lifted on that. But the, they have, the way uh, 
group or guided tours has been kind of bundled into all-in-one um, uh, bike lessons, river raft trips, uh, bus tours, everything is kind of viewed the same way. So there's been some added challenges uh, with doing any kind of group activities. And, um, but we're working through that and, and our, as, a, as we transition into, um, now we, we now allow day tickets, um, as we're progressively allowing more people to uh, come up to the mountain, the restrictions are, are getting progressively less and less. Uh, so I, I, I think the timing of it all has been good. Kurt, what about um, the big mountain enduro um, or, or any other events? Are you, are you hopeful that those are gonna take place? Are you getting any restrictions on um, attendance, either that you're telling the event organizer or the event organizer is telling you? What, what is your event? Well, BME is a good example. That event was uh, postponed till a later date in the season. Um, going back to how our allowable, well, to what our um, percentage of allowed occupancy or usage is, uh, the numbers expected with the, the BME event still fall within the parameters of the numbers we're restricted on. So um, then it, uh, it falls into the the actual, uh, uh, I guess, pulling the event off. Uh, what I'm, uh, what we're really just starting to look at now is um, what the challenges are going to be to have event organizers and or vendors that come in for an event. Uh, how we're uh, how are we going to make sure that uh, that their COVID safety plan is uh, is really what we want done up here. And, you know, just in talking with uh, a couple of the vendors that would like to come up and do demos and stuff, it seems that when we tell them they need to have a, you know, a good operational plan, <clears throat> one thing will allow us to do uh, our events is uh, a capacity that have up here to, uh, stay within the guidelines of what the state has mandated. Uh, we're, we're comfortable with the numbers that the events will bring being within those numbers. I notice a lot of people do their, their pass and ticket sales inside. And that's uh, in the past, that's what we normally did, but we've gone to our, our outside ticket windows and, um, and, and found that, that not only has it been a lot easier to um, to control the sanitation of everything and maintain social distancing, uh, but the guests actually prefer it. Nice, thank you for adding that. Um, thanks so much, Kurt, for sharing. And um, you did bring up um, the idea of dealing with um, vendors, uh, other third-party organizers coming in on the property. And um, so, uh, Peter Sutcliffe with Gravity Logic. So, um, what are you seeing in terms of? planned work and capital projects and, and what your, when you show up on site, um, what are the protocols? So, uh, thank, thank you for having us and uh, a great question. Um, in terms of uh, projects as a whole, we're probably about 20% of what we had planned this year. Um, uh, but in fairness, it's also allowed us to kind of step outside of the, uh, 
ski resort rain a little bit, which we do occasionally, but uh, we've we've ended up with some uh, some trail work uh, down in some of the southern states that are more municipal uh, uh, in in uh, in nature. Um, beyond that, um, we're you know we've got about uh, uh, six projects all within this week and next week that are effectively starting or we're already there. Um, and, uh, and it seems to be, uh, you know, we've, we've got a pretty good diverse, uh, uh, working group, uh, within our organization. So we've got strengths, you know, on both sides of the border, whether it's Canada or in the U S. Um, so, it, you know, for us, it's not an ideal scenario, but, uh, I definitely, uh, and we definitely feel, uh, uh, see, see the uh, pains that are out there and, uh, you know, we'll, you know, on the other side of this, we'll be here when everyone's ready to kind of get back into, into work. In terms of uh, how we're approaching projects when we're showing up, really we're just trying to follow the, uh, the guidelines of the state or the province that we're working in. And then beyond that, with respect to our own uh, workers, you know, if, if, uh, if, uh, social, if physical distancing isn't a possibility, put on a mask, wash your hands often. Um, but honestly, the majority of the work we do is in the, is in the woods. So, um, you know, the, the contact is pretty, is pretty minimal uh, from that perspective. Right. Um, the, the one other thing, the one other thing that I, I haven't heard yet that uh, in Ontario and honestly across Canada that they're talking about quite a bit is is contact tracing. So uh, the, the, I think it's a buzzword up here in Canada, and that is you know who's on your property, when we're on your property. So if someone is diagnosed, we want to be able to uh, to let them know. So that's the one thing up here. Other other than all the other stuff that you guys are doing, that uh, it might be a little bit different here in Canada. Thank you, Peter. Um, on each of our huddles, we have invited a member of NSAA to share what the organization is working on throughout the pandemic. This week, we welcome Director of Education, Earl Celine. So uh, NSAA just released, well, first off, I got to say, this was fantastic to hear what everybody's doing. Um, I think Chuck said it best, where you have to really understand what's going on locally, what your regulations are, what are your restrictions, and how can you best operate within those um, so kudos to everybody that's, that's made it this far and has gotten their bike parks and summer operations going again. And I know we'll see a lot of the same inventiveness as we uh, gear up towards winter too. Uh, but a couple things from NSA. This week, Sunday, we released the second section of our pandemic playbook, uh, focusing on, you know, getting operations going for the summer. And, you know, future versions will tackle winter more directly. But definitely part of the summer is chairlifts. And I know there's a lot of questions about chairlifts and how to best manage those. But um, you can get that from NSA.org to give you some guidance if you don't already have your plan going or maybe some ideas if you're already uh, open and operating. Uh, certainly, we're going to continue our webinar series. So complementing what uh, Sam is doing with the huddle, uh, we have a webinar on Thursday at 1 o'clock that's focused on parking lots and base area. So really the foundational pieces that set the experience uh, people can expect once they get to your area. And we've got a good group, uh, Blue uh, being represented as part of that, Bachelor, Timberline, uh, Bryce as well. Uh, events are certainly on our mind uh, looking down the road. Um, we're putting together plans A, B, and C, <laughs> depending on how things progress and the country starts to to loosen up and gathering sizes change. But uh, we are trying to do our best to help the state and regionals, uh, Midwest, 
uh, skiers in New York, Pennsylvania ski areas, uh, and Maine to help deliver the right content, let alone our own fall education series sessions. But we're looking down the road quite a ways. Uh, we were definitely disappointed, you know, specific to this audience to have to cancel the, the bike park summit at Deer Valley. Uh, we're talking with them and working with them for a future date to book in. But looking more specifically towards next year, 2021, we're already in uh, conversations with our uh, gracious co-host on the screen here, Hugh, uh, looking towards Mountain Creek for next year's bike park event. Because um, the passion for this is awesome. And it's very obvious, even on a, a virtual call like Zoom. There's a lot of people that love this sport and love the uh, the energy around it, and we want to keep that going. If you can believe it, that was our 10th huddle since the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic. We hope that these huddles and the other resources developed by Sam Magazine to assist during this crisis have helped you all stay connected, informed, and to navigate these challenging times. You can listen to past huddles at www.saminfo.com huddle. And if these resources have been helpful for you, consider supporting us as a vital source of information with a subscription at www.saminfo.com slash subscribe. If you want to join a future huddle, or if you have someone on your team that should join the conversation, email huddle at saminfo.com. Our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. The Pod Sam Advisor is Alex Kaufman, the Wintry Mix Podcast Guy. I am Sarah Bordeaux, and thank you for listening to Pod Sam.